welcome back to another episode of Let Me Tell You. First of all, I just want to thank all of my listeners. It might not be a ton, but I appreciate all of you guys, and you've made producing this podcast for over a year and a half super enjoyable, and it's allowed me to go to amazing events like the Crimson and Gray game this today, and gosh, a bunch of basketball games since I've been back in Pullman during a pandemic, safely, of course, with a mask. So that's been fantastic. Well, let's jump right into the Crimson and Gray game. The Crimson and Gray game is a scrimmage with Offense versus defense, defense being the gray team, offense being the crimson team, and I would score differently than a regular football game. For example, the team, the score was 74-37, which is an absurd score. So for every stop, the defense receives five points, touchdown is worth seven, and interception is worth five. It's based on, not based on scoring purely in the end zone, but how your team performs that drive. So it's totally different. The defense dominated this game. But let's just take a step back and talk about what I was looking for before heading into the game. Clearly, I wanted to see Max Borgie. Max Borgie did not play a lot. Didn't play at all today. So Max Borgie was battled through an injury-ridden season, played in one game, had about 91 yards. In the, he had 91 yards in the first game he played, the last game of the year, and was super efficient. So I wanted to see how Borgie would do. He didn't play, so that didn't help. The wide receivers, I had seen a lot of hype for them. They... For the most part, they were okay. They lived up to expect. They met expectations. And the defense just sucked. I mean, not the defense. The offense, the quarterbacks more specifically, was atrocious. It really just fell flat on the face. And also, the quarterbacks exceeded my expectations. Corner, defensive backs. Defense was a clear winner. There were players with interceptions. The quarterbacks had each had one interception. Jalen Watson, who was a proven, now lockdown number one cornerback, arguably... You can make a case for being the best cornerback in the Pac-12, which generally produces high-level defensive back talent to the NFL. And Amari Marsh also had an interception. But what I found most impressive was the front seven. So the line, the defensive line, and the linebackers. There was constant pressure, which resulted in multiple sacks. Gabriel Lopez had two of those, but I like that the pressure was solid and always forcing the quarterbacks to scramble or be on the move. It was just a very aggressive style that played off in our favor. Even though Washington State isn't historically a great defensive team, especially in the Mike Leach era, which is the air raid, they mostly focus on offense. If we can outscore you, we'll win. But both the Mike Leach era was, we're going to outscore you. We don't care about defense. Nick Rolovich is a little more focused on defense. So let's talk about the quarterbacks. Garrett Garantano, the SEC transfer from Tennessee. Also, Tennessee has a really toxic fan base. They don't wish their players to succeed. They're just always looking to just yell at someone. Like, Garantano played four years at Tennessee. He was there, and then they, now they say, oh, he sucks, he's such a bad person. Bro, just chill. Kook fans might not be the greatest in supporting the team in Martin Stadium, but we sure as hell don't hope a player sucks. We wish them well, like Gunnar Cruz. I hope he succeeds and is a starting quarterback in Arizona. Why? Because he was a Cougar, and I don't I don't really ever wish, wish ill will on someone. It's just not a good lifestyle. Like, why are you such a mean-spirited person you have to wish ill on someone? No, Garantano who I still believe is in the pole position for the starting quarterback week one against Utah State. He, on the first play, threw an interception, but it's not no official confirmation, but it looked like when he was throwing, his arm came down, he hit his thumb against the defensive lineman's helmet, so they pulled him out as a precaution. He didn't play well. He obviously had one play and it was intercepted, so not ideal. Cameron Cooper, the elder statesman who's been in the program for three years, had seven drives and most out of anyone, but he did not show anything special. He basically is the scrambling man. Much like the rambling man, Cameron Cooper is fantastic at scrambling. I didn't realize he was so mobile, but preferably I'd like him to stop being, stop relying on his legs. I think he should stay in the pockets a tad bit more. But once again, it's just a scrimmage, so maybe he'll do less in the games. I didn't get to see his first drive as a 
first official college drive because it was during that USC blowout, and I just decided I'd do homework instead. So I'm excited to see him if he's a starter next year. Then the best quarterback is was Victor Gubales, the walk-on, but he only had he had the best drive. That's why I say he was the best quarterback. He had like an eight-play drive, which had good throws and good good reads to hand off to the running back. But I don't think he's really in contention for the quarterback job. I think it's really between Cameron Cooper and Garrett Garantano. Xavier Ward, friend of the program. Really nice kid. Super young. He's only 17. Early enrollee. He made a bunch of freshman mistakes. Basically threw a ball directly in the hands of a linebacker who dropped it. So he was whatever. He was fine. Nothing special. Freshman mistakes. Jaden Dolores still suspended, so we did not see him play. I don't really feel bad. Then obviously let's just talk about some of the offensive players who stood out. C.J. Moore, the super tall wide receiver from Oklahoma State, also was recruited by Alabama and a bunch of Power 5 schools that were on a higher playing field than Washington State. He had one good play, which was a 40-yard touchdown, 40-yard catch thrown by Cameron Cooper. For the majority of the game, he kind of struggled to get out of his breaks and get open. He would just run slowly and not get open. He was He's taller than everyone, and he's faster, yet he couldn't get open. Like, he reminds me of Laquan, Laquan Treadwell from the Vikings, who no longer plays in the league. I think he's kind of fallen out of... Loved by a lot of teams. And then, obviously, I was wanting to see Drake Owens, the Central Washington transfer, the walk-on, Division Three to Division One. He played phenomenal. Basically, like Julian Edelman, a reception machine, just grabbed the ball. He was a safety net for every single quarterback. They all relied on him and trusted him, which is a great thing for a wide receiver. I think he'll be big for us. Cannon Katzer, the, wide, the running back out of Spokane, I want to say. A local kid, at least. He, if this was an open competition for running back, he would have put himself in the pole position, but no, it's going to Borgie. He has great vision. I mean, really fantastic vision. Borgie and Dion McIntosh graduate. Katzer, to me, looks like the starting running back for the next couple of years. His vision is unbelievable. So overall, it was a great game. I appreciate all the support in this podcast. You've made this an absolute pleasure to record every week. Basically, every week, basically. Thank you. Go Cougs, and enjoy the rest of your day. Listen, I love Walker, but he looked like he was 18 or 19. He looked like a young guy. Ben, you should have done this guy right. What, I get him a stripper? What do you want me to do here? I get him a prostitute? What do you want me to do?